Okay, so we start. Uh, there are a few questions or quite a few questions. So we'll have shorter answers, but it's good. It's a nice thing. Um, also, I may just uh, mention if there are more questions that come subsequently, please please feel free to WhatsApp or email. So I think uh, Vaishali ji has my WhatsApp. So only that works only on WhatsApp. It doesn't work on call. So. <laughs> <laughs> but please feel free to ask. Um, I'll first um, take a question which is the nuttiest of the question, which is, uh, should a seeker uh, on the spiritual path, what does the mother say about marriage? Because there are people who... <laughs> uh, you know, Shobindu gave a very interesting reply to that. Uh, he said, tell the person that Shobindu is neither... He neither advises marriage nor he does not advise either ways. So, this is the reason is that uh, let's look at it a bit impersonally, not from the social point of view, it's okay. We are not talking about that. We are looking at it from the spiritual point of view. So, from the because see, for the average regular life, it's probably good to go through that experience of marriage and uh, job and all that. But I am talking right now from the spiritual point of view. So marriage does absorb a lot of energies. There is no doubt about it. So um, initially, few years, maybe for many more years, uh, the energies are absorbed in each other in the regular maintenance of life. I am talking of the best case scenario. I am not talking about the you know worst things, quarrels, and God knows what all. But even in the best case scenario, it it uh, absorbs a lot of energy, and so. Very often because the, just the maintenance of the structure and framework of life can be quite exhausting and leaves very little for really higher, deeper pursuits. Um, this is one part of it. But even if one is married, one uh, should take it as a training period. Uh, that's why in, in India we had the idea of Grahastashram. So Grahastha is where you hold things. So, if we lead Grahastashram with Dharma, then we are ready for the Vanapras. That's That was the whole logic of it. So, take it as a training ground of life. If the husband, I am taking that way, I could equally say, use the word wife, wife or husband or the partner. Okay, neutral. Nowadays, neutral gender. So, if the partner is very good, helpful, it's very nice, it's, it's, a, it's a grace and... Uh, both of you can share things, very beautiful, but don't get so absorbed into each other that you are only living life for a selfish personal purposes, earning money and making house and uh, buying car. This is the worst kind of honestly and then having children to look after me in old age. This should go away at least. At least the thing should be, there should be a higher purpose of togetherness. And that purpose cannot just be family. As I said, even animals do that. They they don't have the rituals of marriage, they don't have kundali matching, but they match quite well, much better than most human beings. And uh, <laughs> they, they look after each other, higher animals, they even, uh, elephants live in social groups, they look after their children, they look after their group. So all that is common. And if human beings also do the same thing, it makes no meaning. At least there should be a higher ideal, something greater. Together, so that you mutually people help and support each other's energies. And in whatever higher pursuit, if both have a similar higher pursuit, mother gave that ideal in such a beautiful way. And she gave that ideal that on all the seven planes, if the union can be there, 
physical, sensational, vital, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, psychic. So somebody who read all this said, but this is impossible. I said, yes, human beings are meant to do the impossible. That's the joy of being human. What's the point of doing what everybody has done? So yes, it is very difficult, but that's what it is. The rituals are symbolic. As we know, the yajna is inside. The Gita Shri Krishna says, yajna is not outside, it is inside. But when we are not equipped to do inside, then you have outside. So you have Bahe Puja and Pranapratishtha, but ultimately the Pranapratishtha has to be within us. But this should lead to that. So same with marriage, the fire is the fire of aspiration in the center. Common aspiration, first thing necessary. Then they are walking together three times or four times. I have forgotten now. The woman is in front, the Prakriti, and then the Purusha element is in front. So it's an evolutionary process on all the seven planes, and not seven lives. Uh, one life, seven planes is fair enough. <laughs> Let's not try difficult things. Let's try a little simpler. One life, seven planes. If one can do it, it's perfect. So that is the whole ritual. Meaning thereby, at the center is the fire. Problem of marriages, they break down. When at the center is my ego or your ego. My family versus your family. But if the center there is fire, fire of aspiration, God love, fire of idealism, then it is the stable ground. So this is the key, walking together hand in hand, then if they can support each other's energy, then it's a big asset. Shobindu says that if you can help each other, then that togetherness becomes very meaningful. But if it is not the case, then it can be a wonderful uh, means of practicing samatha. And uh, maybe at another level, even a deeper love, when you don't get anything, so-called response or whatever. But if the marriage is such where there is, uh, let's say, uh, the partner is... Uh, very asuric, rakshasic or whatever. And the other person, if both are the same type, it's wonderful. Banti or bubbly ka jodi hai. Banti, bubbly together is okay. Part one, part two. But if one is an aspirant for higher life and the other person is, then it may break down the Aadhaar. Even it may be a threat to life. So please ask your partner, what really are you seeking in life? Don't tell yours because a good partner, intelligent one is say, okay, fine. Ah, mera bhi yehi goal hai. Okay, ask the other person. Don't react. Be very careful. And the second, <laughs> second aspect is, see how the person is. Observe when, not with you, but with regard to the world around. This is a very simple test. Because naturally, supposing somebody wants to woo you, there was even a nice advertisement about it that there was an owner and he tests how he is with the waiters in a hotel. You know, how he is he showing off. Uh, it's okay if he is seeing the right side of the menu card. That means he's honest. He's not trying to impress you. It's okay if he doesn't give a diamond ring. All this is irrelevant. But see how he behaves with everybody in general. That's what is his nature which will come out. Because putting up a show can be temporarily, but not all the time. I think this is enough of marriage gyan. And uh, we should... <laughs> okay. But again, we come back to the same thing. Uh, decide at your own risk and convenience. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am agreeing. So you can turn it into yoga. 
बट आई एग्री आई एम नॉट डिनाइंग दिस वाई सेट इवन नॉट मैरिंग कैन बी टर्न इन टू योगा और भोगा देर आर पीपल हू डोंट गेट मैरिड एंड लीड ए मोस्ट लाइसेंशियस लाइफ सो इट्स नॉट अबाउट मैरिंग और नॉट मैरिंग सो इट्स द वे वन बट ओनली थिंग इज वेन यू आर नॉट मैरिड एंड यू आर नॉट अबलाइज टू यू नो देन वन एडवांटेज इज आई एम टॉकिंग प्योरली फॉर एन एक्सपीरियंट नॉट दैट काइंड ऑफ यू नो फ्रिवलस लाइफ देन यू कैन यू नो सी फॉर योर सेल्फ एंड यू हैड दैट वॉट एवर गुड अ बैड एक्सपीरियंसिस एंड यू कैन शिफ्ट आउट एंड यू डिसाइड दैट नो दिस इज जस्ट नॉट गोइंग टू वर्क आउट सो इट्स परफेक्टली फाइन और यू कैन टेक दैट अदर एटीट्यूड दैट डजेंट मैटर वॉट एवर इट विल बी आई विल ग्रो दैट वॉज द आइडियल ऑफ सती बट फॉर गॉड सेक डोंट बिकम ए मार्टर That's one thing. Become a martyr only at the altar of the divine. Nowhere else one should become a martyr. Don't lose the goal. How good is it to share good experiences with one who is, uh, anyways, in general, and disciple of Shivinanda and the mother. In in general, it is uh, not a very good advice because uh, what happens is that uh, there could be two kind. I am speaking of general. Then we'll come to this aspect. because uh, either they would be uh, people may look at it with jealousy or they may throw doubt they may say oh no no but this can happen it may be a coincidence all these things so that it's belittle supposing uh, the divine has given you a nice uh, jewel now you know that it has been given by the divine therefore it is the priceless treasure you know it now when you show it to somebody and say oh this is available round the market for 2000 rupees now you know this is not true it cannot be there may be a look alike like that but what you have done you have de- you have allowed somebody to devalue what is the most precious divine gift so general rule is not to uh, just start sharing all about it but at the same time yes when an experience has been well settled grounded then it's perfectly fine sometimes one shares only because it's a kind of inspiration to each other it's like if somebody falls in the mud and you say you see there is this rope of faith hold it and you'll come out then it's perfectly fine to share that you know once i had fallen and i held the rope of faith and i came out so you know it would work for you in that sense it may be useful but not like every experience with anybody and everybody including a disciple of shirbindra and the mother so this is um, in sankhya it is said there are multiple purushas uh, advaita it is said there is one purusha gita says there is a purushottama buddhism says there is no purusha uh, okay someone should be right <laughs> i would answer like alice in wonderland all of them are right depending upon the perspective so there is of course if we go back to the origin then it is neither purusha nor shakti so buddha is right there is a permanent whom you can't call being non being nothing can define so if the goal is to go completely out then buddha has a point but after that there is the ishwara and the shakti for the manifestation so let's say there is a status of consciousness in which there is nothing can be said even to say purusha is to define nothing so it's called as being beyond being and even non being that's how the vedic rishis not the non being of the inconscient but they discovered the being sachidanand but they were not happy where does it come from so they went into non being and then it's where nothing can be said so this is one the is right buddha is right in that sense you cannot define the indefinable but that doesn't solve the mystery of 
existence in my life. So then comes the next step that out of this being shadows forth, they are one because time is not born there. It's beyond time. So out of that state or that consciousness or whatever it is, out of that one indefinable, there is a shadowed forth which is Sachidanand, the being. Sachidananda is sitting quietly. He is the Purushottama. But then he leans towards creation. Because he is moved. That's what the Rig Veda 10th Mandala says. He was moved by that impulsion. Shakti stirs him. And Ekoham Bahusham. The one becomes the many. So simultaneously out of the one there are multiple centers. So Sankhya is also right. And Krishna also speaks about multiple souls also incidentally. He doesn't speak only of Purushottama. He speaks of Purushottama as the highest Purusha. But he also speaks of Akshar Brahma Parmam. And he also speaks about that Sharobhav. And he speaks about Paraprakarti Jeeva Bhuta. So all of them are together. So now this is before time and space have come into existence. So multiple Purushas. Each one is sent a little center of consciousness out of that multiplicity. It's like I suddenly become aware that I have a finger, I have a hand, I have thoughts, I have feelings, I have will. So are the two different? No. We can, it depends on the poise. At one level I trans, transcend all of them. But an, another level it is out of me and within me that all these things exist. So there is a simultaneously of these experiences. So Advaita is also right when it says that beyond, now beyond is again a way of saying as if there is a beyond space. Again space and time have not come into existence. So they are all simultaneous. It is for the sake of understanding. Like uh, somebody may ask me, what do you see in this uh, room? So I am seeing everything together. But I may just say, oh truth come manifest. That's what I see. I may blank the others or I may say, but on the right I see truth taking visible form of the Divine Mother, the one whom we adore as the Mother. Then somebody may say, but you are not seeing truth is above you also. No? So, all these are simultaneous. But depending on the angle of vision, I may see this, I may see that. They don't negate. This was the problem of philosophy trying to reduce the irreducible, indefinable, the infinite. So, philosophers can play with it. Advaita, Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita, Visistha Dvaita, Bheda Bhed. Let them play with it. But as Shabindu says, we know Krishna. <laughs> That's it. So these are all truths in their own right. But which is the one which is of most practical relevance? Now we come to that. Because my life is my life. Forget about philosophy. Now if I take the stance that there is only one. Hmm? There is no multiplicity of souls. Where does this, this take me? Should I practice yoga? Who is practicing yoga? None is bound. Paradox. None is bound. None is free. There is only one. So a person who may say that eat, drink and be merry is as foolish or as wise as somebody who says let us strive to attain perfection. Because there is no one but the one. Isn't it? Paradox. That's the paradox of Buddhistic Atma and Atmavad also. For whom is the eightfold path if there is no multiplicity of souls? 
If the ego is an unreality, again rebirth, who is born? Who is entering into this side? Buddhism brings this paradox. There is rebirth, but there is no soul. Now, <laughs> I know how it is explained, so we are not entering into <laughs> the didactics. It's a stream of consciousness, information, energy is coming. But who am I? A piece of information which is going to be disintegrated? Why should I do all this labor? So from the most logical, common sense, spiritual point of view, multiplicity of soul, which Sri Krishna speaks of, which Visistadvaita speaks of, which Sri Aurobindo speaks of, is the most logical thing that, well, if there is an individual soul trapped in ignorance, then it makes sense to uncover it. And there we say, Sivabindu says that individual is a term through which the divine expresses himself. The individual, the universal and the transcendent and beyond whatever are all simultaneously true. So mind does this either or. It takes a position and says the room is this. Another sees and says the room is this. Another takes another example. Someone says, oh there are too many things, they are beyond. So all of them are true, but we have to then decide what works best to me. All these doctrines I had read and found them illogical, frankly, to my logical mind. And my logical mind during AFMC days, during MBBS, said if there is no multiplicity of soul, if there is, I was reading a lot of Advaitic literature and Buddhism and Sankracharya, I said then, my friends who are going to the Hashish joint and smoking ganja are wise people. Because there is none who is there as an individual. It was frightening. I said, this is kya hai ye? Who is meditating? Who am I? If I am nothing, there is only one I. That I knows itself. It, I, it doesn't need my validation that Dr. Alok Pandey, do you know that I exist? He is. If I was not, he would still exist. So it didn't make sense. At least it didn't draw me. Same with if there is an individual, his goal is, that also is there, Veda, Veda. There is a seeming individual which is the ego, which must ultimately, because otherwise during a lifetime you are suffering. So that's okay. So anyways, life was very happy. You are in a medical school, everything is good for you. So this was that, well, you, it must ultimately merge into that. That is, an illusion has been created for practical, vyavaric dealing. Which is so horror, like I mean, imagine the divine creating an illusory individual to go through all this pain. At the end of this, say, you know what, actually you are not real. I am the real guy. So then, sir, why did you do this to me is the only question I would ask him. So, but when you know that there is a truth of the individual and the individual is the basis through which the universal and the transcendent seeks to manifest... Then you go back to that mighty phrase, Eko ham bhavushyam, Amar eke krishna man bharena ami ananta krishna dube chahi. I am not satisfied with one krishna, I want infinite krishna. Then it makes sense. So it depends on each one anyways, one is free to choose. To me, this multiple uh, purushas makes the most logical sense. But together, there is the one without a second, there is the multiple purusha, there is the Purushottama and there is also that of which nothing can be said. At least the Upanishad speaks about the Chatushpad Brahman. It also speaks about all these things together. So it is the human mind in today's time which has started dissecting them too much. But each standpoint has its own meaning. 
Um, the writings are very difficult to understand because of long and complex sentences and many people might please suggest the early, very good uh, thing. Shobindu's writings are both. There are very difficult writings without a doubt about it. Uh, for example, the life divine and the human cycle are very difficult without a doubt about it. Uh, partly because it was literally Swanta Sukhai and partly because book like the life divine was written for guys like Bertrand Russell and all these I am in this philosophy, that philosophy. So he said, he wanted to silence those minds. So he was responding to that kind of humanity, not to us simple seekers. Sir, okay, mange, you are right. Tell me what to do. So for them, there is letters on yoga. Letters on yoga, one is on poetry, literature and art, even if you want to leave that aside, but everything is readable. Four volumes of letters on yoga... Each volume comprising about 300 pages, thousands of letters and then another fifth volume, letters on Shobindo on himself, which are not that he was writing a biography, but when people asked him about how you proceeded in the yoga and they are very, there he gives so many clues about us and then letters on the mother. So if we take these six volumes, they are more than Anything that we can imagine and they have an advantage incidentally. See live, the live divines, the synthesis of yoga, they were addressed to the mind of humanity, not to mind A, mind B. So they are the Arya period of writing. He was throwing seeds into the cosmic field. But letters on yoga are 1927 onwards, individual seekers. And when we read them, they are very simple. Now, Yes, the reason why he wrote long complex sentences is because he wanted to give a rounded truth. So truth is not like, uh, as I said, uh, simple oversimplification of truth would be that there are one soul or there are many souls. But if you have to say there are both are true, then you have to explain through a long sentence. So that's why. But we need not read that. Read letters on yoga. That is much more than enough because they are practical guidance. Metaphysics is there, philosophy is there, everything is there. There is an ongoing series which I have been taking all the writings of Shirobindo and now we are on letters on yoga. So that is also available on Aroma. This just is an aside because they are treasure houses. Uh, and then, most importantly, mother's writings. Same truth, in very simple way. Mother is like holding our hand and taking us. So just because she has made it so simple, is it, no, no, I want to eat that more difficult <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Shurabindo is reading and live divine padhai is beautiful joyous but we have all of these and of course Savitri which is par excellence it's a mantra mantra of transformation doesn't matter mantra is something which helps us awaken to grow and incidentally once you have the key Savitri is very simple you just need the key otherwise it's written in a very simple way but letters on yoga is the minimum. The use of the term uh, aspects of psychic being means a deeper self. Uh, psychic being, you know, deeper self is a very general term. Uh, we may use the word like true self, so, but these terms again, that's why Shubhinda wanted. As far as terminology is concerned, because everything is a deeper self. The divine we can say is the self of self, so deeper self, deepest self. So, but psychic being is the individual center. So, we will now continue our story from where we left. So, psychic being will come into the picture. So, before time and space have entered into existence, Eko Ham Bhavushyam, 
the one by little concentration within himself create those multiple centers of concentration this is the jivatma it is not bound by time and space because there is no time and space it is forever free it is the bird sitting on the tree of the dwasuparna so it is there the jivatma and shobindu used the word central being for that so each one represents something of the divine and therefore and it knows itself that i am this portion and it knows that all others are portions of the divine there is no conflict or quarrel but the moment this has to manifest then time and space and all the paraphernalia come into existence and there a portion of the central being or the jivatma enters into this play of time and space where the moment it comes it falls on the head becomes unconscious everybody declares comatose doesn't exist hopeless case so the psychic not even being it's a little fire which has gone to sleep child in the cradle rocked by cosmic forces where putna will come to slay it and uh, nice tranavrat will come to make it fly but it will grow because it is immortal in our mortal poverty so that is the beauty of the psychic it will go from that's what the upanishad says avidyam rityum tirtva you know so it goes through avidya and it going through this state of ignorance from life to life it one day goes beyond death avidyam rityum tirtva vidyam amritam asnute and when it discovered the oneness it can have the it recovers its immortality so there comes a time when this individual psychic being discovers oh i am not this mind life and body i am not this identity card i am not my papa's child i am not my mama's boy in ignorant mama i am this so the moment it discovers it then it looks up like that bird of upanishad dwasuparna ah i am there enjoying even without the fruit i am tasting the sweet bitter fruit but i am that jivatma it is still not dissolving it maintains now but its now relation has become meaningful it knows it is beyond time and space but has entered into the play of time and space it can dissolve any time or it can choose to become a center for the divine manifestation as in shobindu's yoga so this little spark of the divine the divine representative in our humanity which is sent into this frame to help this whole creation manifest the divine not to run away but to manifest the divine must first grow through life and death and rebirth till it becomes strong and is now connected with the source then it says okay now i will play the game so it has two stages of schooling the psychic being the first stage is when it is doing net practice cricket so actually you are not losing and winning that game it looks like net practice the real game begins when we have realized the psychic being then there is the joy of the play we know in life and death matter nothing so that's how the psychic being but deepest self is a gentle word we may use for it we can equally say akshara brahma parma we can equally say purushottama so but this the psychic being is the individual soul arriving at its full development when it is fully developed it becomes a psychic being it puts on a soul or spiritual personality if you like it is the true individual within us so there are different terms and then it can participate consciously in the play 
of manifestation. Then comes, uh, does psychic being have a physical structure? Like, yes, very much. You can see it. It can take, first it can take forms in, uh, it's a being. It, we, we can, initially we can see it as uh, in visions as representative. Uh, so when Vedic Rishi spoke about the child, offspring, it is the, one can see it as a child. Uh, actually in vision one can see it as a before um, seeing the psychic being one can see these flowers it can present as flowers birds bird is another form it can take but it is still a form projected but one can become identified with it and it has form it has height it has length I mean, <laughs> but it's a flame of light but of the pure antaha sharire jyotir shubra so it is there as a flame of white light, pure light, a portion of the Divine Mother. So a fiery portion of the wonderful. So it has very much, but I don't know what is meant by physical structure. I mean it is, it has a substance, it has a form. But obviously it doesn't have a form like of this matter. It has its own matter. Body organs, no, body organs, it will, the psychic being, when it manifests as the supramental being, then it will have supramental organs. Right now it is identified with organs created by nature, which are not worthy. It's like it has to do with that inferior stuff. But eventually the psychic being will develop and it will have organs as centers of energies and concentration. Then it will be the supramental body. We are speaking of that. Where exactly is the psyche being located? Right here in the center of the heart. In the center of the chest. Heart, not the biological heart, but center of the chest. Deep within. We concentrate here every day on the Divine Mother's presence. Or on a flame. Divine Mother's presence is much better, no? So you have, you will pass through the door of the psychic. You can't go any other way. So when we concentrate on a presence in the heart, we will reach that point. Initially, there will be indicators that we are coming near. There will be peace, felicity, urge for progress, compassion, gratitude, many things. They are the messengers from the psychic. And a spontaneous intuitive knowledge, love for the divine, bhakti, which is ahetuki. All this will happen. And then if one goes still deeper, then one becomes that. It's no more like there is a soul within, but one is that psychic being and one has a body. So it is right in the center. It is the, the center. Even That's why you see in ECG, this is the neutral point. Actually, so this is the psychological center. Please tell something about mother's physical enlightenment, that is each cell of his body. So, um, I have given a talk on this yoga of the cells and it is there in great detail. It may be difficult to put it in a summary way, but let me try. Basically, see, uh, there is a ground in which we have spiritual experience, which is the soul ground, inner being, atmos. So, inner mind experiences, illuminations, enlightenment, if you want to put it, though it is the vaguest word ever. Uh, one uses. I am not particularly fond of this word because particularly because it was already corrupted. The rational ages were ages of enlightenment. 
I have never understood how the ages of reason were ages of enlightenment. So, and enlightenment is a vague term. Anybody can put anything into it. So, but basically, yes, uh, one may say that the awareness of a deeper divine self, of a light that guides and leads, so so many ways. So, it is the inner being which actually engages in yoga, uh, pushed by the psychic being. So, the inner mind wants to know and opens the door to knowledge. The inner heart suddenly it opens to the inrush of the sweetness and lure and charm of the divine. That's why the heart turns towards her. Despite all the rasgulla and gulab jamun and uh, you know raskadam huh? of the world. <laughs> it says nahi nahi nahi. Oh, fal to hai. <laughs> Ye wala kya hai? <laughs> so that's because the inner heart has opened. The inner life it seeks, it has everything, but it still feels a vacuum. Because it knows that there is something else which can fulfill it. Nothing else can fulfill. So in the inner being it takes place. What about the physical body? That is only a case. That's how it is explained. In Vedanta it is the soul's evolution. But as far as the body is concerned, once the soul has evolved to a point where it knows I am that, then this has to be broken. The pot has served its utility. But in Tantra, you also have the evolution of forms. Chaurasi like Yoni. So what was that happening? The body has some purpose. It's not that in every body, we can do the yoga. It's only in human body. And even in human body, there comes a point when we can do the yoga. Sri Ramakrishna would see the physical structure before he would say one is fit for yoga. So there is something about the body, which is an occult mysteries workshop, which we don't understand. But does it roll gets over once it has delivered the psychic being? No. If that was the case, then the whole drama is absurd. All this only to recover back that which already was there as the central being eternally free. So that's where the mystery of the body, the body must be the instrument to manifest that divine presence which is within us. And psychic being is the wire which joins us to divine the generator to the body which is the lamp. Right now it is obscured. So nobody has even touched this part. The mother takes it up. All the inner experiences the body must have. So in the entire agenda you will see that she is speaking about Sachidananda, but body. Not just inner ground. All that is long back she has had that. The body must experience the bliss of the divine. The body must experience that supreme consciousness. The body must experience the contact with truth. Right now it will melt away. We have the story of Dadichi, no? That the cow licks up his entire body and then out of his bones that um, uh, vajra is made. So is that cow light? It licks it up. Very difficult. And then we spoke about Swami Ramalinga yesterday. Because the body cannot bear that. Even little joy in it begins to jump and dance. So divine bliss, divine love, we want divine love, it will be burnt. You see, what happened to Mirabai? She is going here and there. Jo mein aiso janati preet ki ye dukh hoye nagar dinora peetati preet na ki jo koye eri mein to prem diwani mero darad na jane koye. What is the pain about her? Now she has the physical longing to join with the divine. The fire has been lit. How does one physically unite with the divine? And then one day she drinks the poison and goes and merges into 
Nath Dwaravid Shri Krishna. So body also must arrive at its fullness and consummation. So this is the part which seemed impossible because body is so obscure, dense. And if that power enters into it, touches it, it will vanish. That's why the whole evolution is by modifying the body to express. That's why, you see that from animal to human, now the body can manifest something of the mind. From plant to animal, the fullness of life. From matter to plant life, life can begin to express. It is all there already. So now the body has to be modified to express the divine within for the fullness of the great work for which this creation has been uh, manifested, projected into time and space. But somebody has to do it first, that the mother does. So the entire yoga she would describe, each cell she would pick up. Clean it. Clean it means all the impressions. See how our body mechanically responds. How much ever we may drive away fear, lust, anger from every other part. Body responds mechanically. She uses the word mind of the cells. Habitually they drive. Tumor, degeneration, every death. So eventually she was cleaning them and filling them with the new consciousness. Some of them which were ready, received, were transformed, she would keep it aside. Others which were not ready, she would send them back and work upon them. And there comes a time when she says, now there are parts of body which are resisting completely. Why was she still doing it? Because she had made her own transformed body. Because if she left that part, means a large chunk of humanity which lives because each part of body is symbolic, will collapse. So a time comes when as much that could be integrated into the new body, she took it. And the rest was left. That is why you see, when you see pictures of the mother, very few are available. But those who have seen also when she left the body, normally you see her pictures, very tall. But when she left the body, it was like shrunken into just about three feet or two and a half feet. Strange sight. Because whatever she could integrate with the new body, she did that. And then had to be left over and then she gives the idea that there is a possibility of switching over to a new body. And how are we to engage with this yoga which you don't even understand? This was also asked to her. She said, no, no, you don't have to do all these processes because it's very painful. The body cracks. It cannot bear that pressure. She says, you have to just open to me. She says, has, the, has not Sri Aurobindo told you? You open to me and she will do it. It is an exacting process because the body begins to crack, it begins to respond in strange ways. It is the most obscure, it is the house of the asuras because body is right below his subconscious and the inconscient. It is the fortress. So it doesn't allow easily. This is in nutshell. There must be somewhere a talk available on yoga of the cells and there are books also. I have myself written a whole series on the yoga after 1956. So if somebody is interested, I can send that. What is the worst, no, most ultimate goal of the spiritual seeker? Obviously the goal at the origin, which is manifesting the divine. Ekoham Bhoshyam. So our goal cannot be different. In between there are goals like merging in the divine, vanishing or simply having good health. <laughs> that's hardly a goal. But that's okay. There are several side goals which we can take. Ki I want to be in good health and vigor. I want to lead a long life, happy life, 
healthy life, harmonious life, within the limits possible. All these can be valid goals. But the real goal begins when the first step is when I am freed from ignorance. And I discover, recover my hidden divine part. And I discover the divine in the universe and the transcendence. These are real goals of yoga. Others are like, okay, healthy body, healthy mind, all that is okay. Not that they are invalid, but they are very limited partial goals. And then to become an instrument of the divine, to become a channel of the divine, a center of the divine. And then to become the divine even in the body. So a divine life in a divine body. Why? Because that is the what means is the full manifestation of the divine in material terms. So that's why creation has been formed and this is the main goal. But again this goal cannot come intellectually. It cannot be like, okay this is the goal, I will make this goal. Goal is something which will spring from within. And different stages. So at one stage it may be I want to serve the divine. It's a great goal of the spiritual seeker. Then after some time it discovered that if I am what I am today in my nature, I cannot really serve properly. So there, from there comes the transformation that if my nature remains the same, how can I really serve? As Champaklalji once told the mother after many years, till now I have served you the way I thought it best. Now I want to serve you as you want me to serve you. So there are steps and stages at which the... Uh, I know in logical argument, uh, this is not uh, much like the goal post shifts. But yes, it shifts. <laughs> because that's how the field enlarges. So you have this, uh, it starts from one goal, goes to another, third, fourth. But ultimate goal is the manifestation of the divine in material terms in creation. When our body is sick, how can you do sadhana? See, uh, everything can be to become sadhana. I'll put it a bit um, humorously. So, do yoga to be free of roga. But if you do bhoga, then there is roga. <laughs> when there is roga, turn that also into yoga. These are the two ways by which the patri is prepared, as the Vedic Rishi said. One is through the fire of aspiration. Otherwise, the fire of suffering. So what happens then? Body is sick. The entire consciousness is concentrated on the body. When the person is sick, that time you tell him, ah, there is a nice movie. Let's go and watch Kantara. You say, no, my Kantara is I don't, don't you see me? You'll get irritated all that, isn't it? Because... Body is the basis of everything. Sharira, Madhyam, Kaludharma, Sadhanam. Even enjoyment you can't do if the body is sick. So the consciousness is concentrated. Now there is a chance. What is it? We are becoming conscious of the body in this part, that part. Just abandon. Supreme science, O Lord, is to give oneself to the divine, caring nothing for life or death, for health or illness. And say, Ye boja tumara. So what happens when recovery takes place or death takes place? Either which way. Death doesn't exist for a seeker. Either which way, it's a win-win situation. When one recovers, it's because the divine forces entered and worked on the body. So it becomes open and receptive. 
And if one has to depart because there is nothing like death, then what is there? You are remembering the divine Anta Kale Smaran <laughs> Ma Manusmar Yuddhascha. So it's very nice either which way. So when one has roga, if one has not done yoga or even if one has done yoga and roga comes, turn that also into yoga. Turn all things to the divine and all things will become honey. So roga will become yoga. Jugalda used to have pain in corn was there in his feet so he would walk and he would limp. So one day somebody asked him, Jugalda, what has happened to you? No, no, it's just a little corn. Are It's very simple. Why don't you get it operated? The doctor had asked him, Come, I'll do it. Or you come tomorrow. No, don't say like that. Why? Because every time it hurts, every time I place my feet, I remember, Ma, Ma, Ma. <laughs> See, this is the path those who have gone before us have shown. So, yoga is everywhere in everything. Those who want to do it, will do it even at the point of death. And those who are not uh, meant to do yoga will not do it even if God is standing in front and they have an illness. They will start complaining, you are the one who made me sick, you are the one who is doing everything, you are the fellow. <laughs> so, he will say, I have come to give you udhar. No, I don't want that. You make me sick. So, see, this is the way Sri Krishna showed the Vishwarup to um, Duryodhana and to Arjuna. To both of them, impartially, he showed that everything. All of you I am going to eat and all of you will come back. Danta Karani. <laughs> Duryodhana says, magician, I am going to bind him. And Arjuna says, Shishyastiham Sadhimam. This is the difference. Kuru Shetra is for everybody. So, it doesn't matter whatever we are. Um, dear Elokta, thank you for the sweet entreaties. <laughs> when we offer our problems to the mother, sometimes multiple choices, options come to us and move then, move then, we satisfy mental discrimination. How do we know which one is the divine will? Yes, uh, it's ideal to know the divine will for which we have to free from all preferences, all desires. It's not easy. Let's start. Practically, it's not easy. The mind definitely cannot know. Because there are always ifs and buts. It'll, if it prefers something, it will give ten reasons. Okay, uh, being in ashram is better, so it will give ten reasons. If somebody doesn't want to go there, it will give equally valid reasons. With examples. So mind cannot solve this problem. Of course the divine voice is there, felt in the depth of the heart. But that also requires a certain degree of development. So what do we do? His knowledge overrules our nescience. Whatever we are choosing, maybe ignorantly, foolishly, stupidly, we should off. But choice we have to make. Nobody else will choose for us. Make the choice to the best of our ability. One simple way is keep a goal in front and see whether this is aligned or not. But again, it may be a wrong choice because we don't know really what is aligned, not aligned also at some point. Mind doesn't know subtly. But let us say that we have done our best, whatever uh, our buddhi, it, it works, you know, that discerning intellect. But it is also a creation of ignorance. But then give it to the mother. Mother, I don't know, I have done this. 
uh, I'm making this choice, but I really don't know. So what do I do? You take me along. So offer that choice to the divine. With regard to marriage, I remember, so I had found a formula. I don't know whether it works or not with everybody, but I put four papers. So in that three papers, I wrote the name of three prospective persons. <laughs> One whom I had thought, uh, you know, we loved each other and two who were like choices which came from elsewhere. Then when I was going to put, uh, that time my deity was Mother Saraswati, I said, what if none of these, I must give an option, none of the above. So I put a blank paper also. <laughs> it wanted. I just picked up the one which was obviously meant to be. So there's, we don't know. Sometimes he says open a book with that aspiration and read it and you will get some kind of guidance. But it doesn't mean that life will become smooth. Never have this idea that because I made a choice, now I'll be happy hereafter. This happy hereafter is only in cinema. That's why it shows with all this initial, they love each other, villain comes, every. Last moment police comes and then the hero and heroine are united. And sometimes they show a car going with that, you know, that uh, married happily. Huh? It stops there, freeze time. <laughs> so, <laughs> there is no guarantee of happiness in this world. And it's good. It's good. Otherwise we would be stuck. So, it will go through challenges. If one is not ready for tyag, tapasya, sacrifice, challenges, then one is not ready for yoga. So that one has to understand. So make the choice, go through the challenges, tell the Lord that as appointed, thou appointed in my heart, may I choose, this is my choice, I give it back to you, you take care now. Right or wrong, he will turn it into the supreme good. So this is how Okay. Of course, one day we begin to become fully aware. In life it happens that the, we have to take some decision, choices out of, I think more or less same, but let me see. At that point I do pray the mother to guide us to take the decision, but the mother will not come down to take the decision. <laughs> she may not come down to take the decision, but you know, don't forget, she can do that. See, there is this story of, uh, you know, what was that story? Uh, Bharatwala story. So, story is that uh, uh, Rama has to go to jungle. So, you know, why? Because the gods have planned this. Ravana has to die and he is Mariyada Purushottam. He is not going to go in the next Lanka. Ravan may come, but Ravan also knows. So, he will come up to Kishkinda but not go beyond. He may not even come to Kishkinda because Bali is there. But Rama must go. So the gods conspire. So what do they do? They change the buddhi of Kekai. They change the buddhi of Mantara. They change the buddhi of Dashratha. <laughs> and finally they come. The events happen and when they go. Now scene two. Bharat says, I am going to come. Now the gods again. Hurried meeting. Board meeting immediately. Urgent. What is the urgency? Bharat is going to come. So, are Rama is so love, he loves Bharat like anything. If Bharat says he will melt like butter, maybe he will come back. <laughs> so they pray to Goddess Saraswati. Please change his mind. You have changed the mind of all of them. 
She says, I cannot change Bharat's mind. His love for Rama is so deep, I cannot change his mind. But remember, God's even buddhi is in the hands of the divine. It may not appear when I am making the choice whether it is right or wrong from practical consideration. What does she, Krishna tell to Shurabindo? I have brought you here. The bonds that you cannot break, could not break, I have broken them for you. And then he says, look here, uh, I am going to speak. The judge, the advocate, the opposing, everybody, their buddhi is in my hands. Once we remember that, but this must become a living faith. Yes, it may seem like a wrong choice from practical point of view. It may go through hardship, doesn't matter. That's not how divine operating system DOS works, okay? <laughs> so, within this DOS, there, DOS, there is Excel and whatever else. So, we must offer it to the divine. Pray that may you use my intelligence for making Still, always there will be ifs and buts and doubts. Still, there is the ultimate... Uh, plenary supramental knowledge or at least intuition doesn't matter offer it to the divine mother and go through it so but he can act upon our buddhi also right attitude is to remember the goal why am I making the choice what is my life meant for ultimately let's say I am making a choice of getting married or taking a job why do I want it maybe money security I must remember my goal is to go to the divine. I am making this choice. I want through this job to best to my ability to serve the divine. I want the marriage to become an ideal of what true love can be. That also can be a valid goal. Why not? But then, to, ready to go through the challenges. There is no ready-made lunch or you know, uh, McDonald's yoga course. Russia, Ukraine war. <laughs> this is doing. Why you want it to end? What we should do? Somebody wants it to end. This war has changed the entire power equation in this world. God uses war for everything. De-dollarization, shift to Asia, the rise of India. At least, I mean, this is not the right way to gain, but India has been the biggest gainer in this war. You know, divine uses all methods. Imagine somebody prayed, oh, this... Karavan, Pandavar, fighting Keshava, please do this. Draupadi also asked, everybody asked. That's why Gandhari says, if Krishna you wanted, no, you could have thwarted the war. And then of course he knows that ultimately his will is fulfilled through it. So she curses him and he accepts the curse. He says, but war was inevitable. And Shubhinda was asked that, I hope that now the new consciousness, when the new consciousness comes, Wars will no more be necessary. And Shubhindu says, perhaps the new era will come through the passage of war. Because the moment you move from the past to the future, you have to go through war. Even at our own individual life, what else is conflict and clash of choices? At our own level, it's a mini war. When parents join in, it becomes a Mahabharata. But <laughs> then their relative, this, that, society, then... All this comes. So, well, war, whether it will end or not, leave it to the divine. It is serving a purpose which we will know much later. So, but as a devotee, it doesn't mean we should start taking sides. Uh, we should pray to mother for 
truth to win satyameva jayate and that truth we may not know we should wish that through this war also let your reign of harmony and beauty come into this world that is our role and nobody is so innocent you know that part i must tell you human beings and innocence is yes they look very innocent both sides every side but think about it even let's say they are innocent just imagine innocent angel suddenly is thrown into the war it becomes a school of courage and heroism shouldn't the innocent become heroic and courageous how will abhimanyu the innocent child become immortal unless he chooses to go through this virgati so wars are schools of courage that bring out the hero within us so innocent stage of evolution is good but better there is a stage when you have to become the lion man you have to go through the war in one way or the other take the challenge of life so i am sure those who are both sides because the divine is independent of that who are truly living that state when who are keeping that dharma of the kshatriya and you know many of them are there like individuals i'm talking about they will evolve through this rapidly so in our scriptures it is said uh, see how truth gets twisted in in sanatan dharma it is said when you fight for what is true stand for what is true and beautiful against the forces of evil what happens to those who die they go straight to heavens the doors of heaven open so it's called as virgati which is beautiful okay uh, now see how twisted religions make it if you blow yourself up killing innocent people you will go to a place where you will have 70 virgins this is how distortion they, the truth is when you die facing the onslaught of evil as a courageous person you jump across many evolutionary steps but it gets distorted now the truth there is this virgati supposed to be the highest that's why the soldiers when they went that's what krishna tells arjuna if you run away you will lose this world and the other world but if you fight if you die perish nobly you will be great if you conquer rajyam samrandam you will be great because you have not snatched it but you have fought a war which has been thrust upon you so wars are part of life as of now and uh, while the infant soul shrinks from it the uh, adult soul goes through it as a passage to become wise how to get rid of the attachment to any good thing like doing good work is very simple uh, get attached to the divine <laughs> it will get rid of all other attachments so attachment to the divine uh, it it may work even like a magic but uh, slowly keep orienting to the divine it will get us rid of all other forms of attachment and one will wonder what happened to that space inside which was craving crying attached to this that job person uh, situation it will just vanish give that space to the divine outwardly you will carry the same thing but you will see the shift will take place thinking of ha ah, cooking something nice uh, yeah cooking nice do it as a prasad why should we stop cooking how will people survive with uh, we should have prasad let mahalakshmi cook through us how beautiful to share that turn cooking into making prasad and it applies to everything 
else. Thinking of Ghatotkach and Abhimanyu, how do we understand these sacrifices? Could Krishna interfered? It is Krishna who interfered, who made this sacrifice happen, though it doesn't look like that. He interfered with Ghatotkach, sending him to the war, and it served two great purposes apart from many other. The war victory was secured because Arj- uh, Karna used the Amog Shakti. Gone. And after that Amok Shakti, there was no way that any person in the world could stop Arjuna, regardless of all the Karna sympathizers. Arjuna was actually unbeatable. It's not a, he didn't brag like that, but with Pashupatastra, within one moment he could destroy the entire Kurusena. It was, there is a question which was asked to all these uh, people that, uh, Karna, how many days you will take to win the war? He says, uh, maybe a couple of days. Bhishma, one day, Dronacharya, two days. So when Yudhishthir gets this news, he asks Arjuna, Arjun, one day they are talking about how much time you will take. He says, in a moment I can do it, brother. But I won't do it because I have the deadliest weapon, which is Pashupatrastra. Shiva's weapon which will destroy everything in a moment. He says, but I won't do it. Then he's reassured, okay. So there was no way they could, he could have ever, three matches he had lost. His score was running 3-0. So, <laughs> but, fall of Ghatotkach ensured victory. Because with Arjuna, there was no other. Arjuna and Krishna, there is victory. Second, Ghatotkach. Look at it. He is born of the womb of a Rakshasi, Hidimba. What better destiny than to die on the battlefield at the command of Krishna? To ensure victory to the Pandavas, I mean, this is the greatest consummation that, uh, you know, Ghatotkach could have ever imagined. So good for Ghatotkach. What about Abhimanyu? Imagine Abhimanyu didn't die. He was saved by his lovely uh, mama, not mama, chacha, tau, sab. No, no, Abhimanyu to picture hai. Ham tlarte hai, Imagine, Abhimanyu would have grown up into a nice king. That's it. But today, when we talk about Shaurya, then we talk about Abhimanyu. He immortalized himself by that sacrifice. Abhimanyu lives by his death. And had he lived, he would have been one of those names in history. Like, does anybody remember Draupadi's children who died? Nobody remembers. But Abhimanyu is written. Even today, when people speak about the ultimate in terms of Shaurya, they don't talk about Arjun. Though he is the greatest indeed, they talk about Abhimanyu. Because that is the destiny which a soul has chosen to write its name in the annals of history. And it's a mighty destiny. It's a very powerful thing that so Krishna would allow it. Though it looks like, uh, you know, bad destiny. But ask Abhimanyu's soul that would you have wanted living a life of 80 years, going into a grand... uh, Grandpapa and uh, saying to your grandchild, Baba, black sheep, and taking him to school, Arjuna says, Ha! This destiny for this, I would enter into Arjuna's, Krishna's family and be married to him. See, he is a beautiful combination. Krishna's sister's blood is in him, and Arjuna's blood is, you know, entered into his womb. He would say, for this I have come to become a great grandfather and rule over the Kuru kingdom. No. I have come with a much greater destiny. Abhimanyu bargained for the highest smart choice. 
wise man, wise boy, how can we comprehend whatever soul truly aspires for? Since we have to go by the dictates of the external world, this second part is not true. Not true. Nobody is, should listen to the dictates. We are not compelled to go by the dictates of the external world. Yes, we may be there. We may do what has to be done. Let's say I am, I am uh, um, in the Air Force, so I have to go by certain rules and regulations which are there. Of the. It's not a dictate. It's a condition of my service. But dictates applies to how I lead my life. And I have to decide based on my choices. And nobody else is responsible for my choices. Even if I have accepted, then I have made a choice of acceptance. That's why Sri Krishna tells Arjuna, even if you don't act, it is a choice. Not taking an action is also a choice that we make. So, uh, nobody governs our destiny. We should not allow also. Yes, we should do what we have to do. Sometimes, because situation has placed us in a certain circumstance, we have to do the basic duties and what is called as duties. Not that Gita is about doing duties. But supposing there is a conflict, let me put it like this. Now, fortunately, things have changed. But there was a time, or let me put it in a more general way, that obedience to parents is part of one's duty. And one is living in a household, parents are there and the boy has got married. Now he is doing his duty and therefore, uh, you know, he is living there. But supposing the parents tell him, you know, this girl you have married, she has not brought enough dowry. Why don't you coax her parents to give more dowry? Should he do it? Can there be second answer? That's it. So ultimately, if he chooses, I will do it. He can't say, my parents compelled me. This idea that parents compelled, often we hear two people, they fall in love with each other and they say, what to do? My parents are not agreeing. Don't say that. You say, I have chosen my parents over this ideal of love or this. It's okay. You made a choice. Stand by your choice. Whatever it be, it may be good, bad, right, wrong. I am not debating that. Each choice will bring its consequences. Yeah, either which way. But we can't say my parents chose for me. I can say that I stood by my parents' choice. There is a dignity in saying that. Or you say that, no, I stand by my choice of somebody whom I have loved. And go through that process. Either which way you will go through a process. Either which way you may evolve or not evolve depending on how you take that whole thing attitude. But choices, to pass on the buck of choices on anybody... Mother says there is no force like that which chooses for you. So, this idea I am compelled by circumstance. I understand what I am saying. Parents may be sick, they may be this, that, hundred things. Yes, but say that I made a choice that I am attached to them, I want to take care of them. Say that I made the choice. Don't say circumstances compelled me to choose. And it helps us to grow. It, it is autonomy, it's taking responsibility for what one has done. So, that's about choices and how can we comprehend then what our soul truly aspires for. If we are on the right track, let me put it like that, we will be at peace inside. If we are restless inside, then this choice is not the choice of our soul. If we are agitated inside, if we are going through that stifling feeling, this is not the choice that our soul would have made. 
So go through that choice. Find that ground of peace. Only in peace and quietude can, as Mother says, eternal manifest. The soul's voice is not heard like the voice of the netas in big roads and with the beating of drums. I am your soul, your master. Listen to me. It doesn't do that. It quietly comes and whispers, Chaloge saath mein. Will you come with me? Very quietly. And it is heard amidst the whispers, amidst the loud noises. But very gently it says, Will you come? Where, where? This tamasha is going on. No, no, no. Will you come? Where? Just come. There is Krishna playing the flute. But people will say that uh, I am a mad person. Ah, They will say, I will miss on this ambition trail. I want to be seen before the prime minister so that I am the one for the next reward. Ah, You will lose that. But Krishna is waiting for you. Then it doesn't wait for long, you know. You say, no, no, after watching it, I will come. Okay, bye-bye, Tata. <laughs> you go, Krishna has done his work and gone. Because he'll come again. But again, there'll be something else. <laughs> Some tamasha. So the soul is whispers in the quietude. We should not allow to be agitated, excited, nervous, full of fear. Then we can't hear. It's like mobile. Sometimes it happens, no, when you don't want to talk long, then you say, Bahut disturbance aara hai. I can't hear. What is it? What is it? I can't hear. <laughs> no, this is not done nowadays, but you know, when those landlines and uh, chatting for no reason, you don't want to chat. Acha baad mein baat karenge bhai, isme kya hai? Khana, peena, this, that. Kaisa lag raha hai Bangalore mein? Hare. So, you know, when there is too much noise, Noise from the head, analysis, this, that, is it, should I do this, should I do that, tell the head, monkey, stay quiet. Too much strings in the heart, puppet dance is going on, one is pulling there, one is pulling here. Your heart is flying all around with so many heart smileys. Obviously, then there will be a problem. <laughs> Give your heart to God <laughs> and let the, the smiley go in their own places. Then yes, the heart will listen. Same thing with life. Pulled by so many strings. So when this becomes quiet, when this is called as a holy darkness, sacred darkness, you know, when all the lights that we thought are our support they are taken away that's why sometimes the divine plays this game not only of palan karta but harta he takes away all the supports there is dense night then one remembers like Mira Adhi Raat Prabhu Darshan Denge Prem Nadi Ke Tira Midnight not a star is shining then you say no choice. Ma, 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 ma. So, uh, in deep quietude, the voice of the soul is heard. The more we quieten ourselves, calling peace, and developing, cultivating peace, equanimity, 
detachment, renunciation, concentration, yajna, sacrifice, tyaga, tapasya, so that inwardly we become quiet. All these restless noises, strings, they are gone. We are in the middle of things. We don't have to leave anything outwardly. But inwardly, and then the soul has a chance to speak because she is a very sharmili dulhan. But sharmili dulhan, when you come and you are face to face with her, then she will dictate you. <laughs> because that's how she is. So this is how the soul's voice is heard in peace, in quietude, in silence, in equanimity, in calm. The voice of the soul is heard as a melodious chant, not as a noise, but as a gentle whisper, a little nudge, chalte ho ji, chalo. And we have to just heed it. The more we heed, the more it will come. The more we ignore it, then after some time he says, okay, Okay, so I think we can close here. It's exactly one and all the questions are over. Yes, one last, one last question we can take. Yes, yes, please take the mic. Yeah, we can take a couple of questions. I didn't know because nowadays we don't see Mother and Shri Aurobindo physically the way then. And, uh, and when people say that Sri Rama, Sri Krishna were not seen, I don't know, they are very much seen, they were visible right till to Sri to countless devotees, Sri Krishna is real, seen. So this idea, and third, why should God be unseen? I would rather love a God who is seen and tangible and visible in mortal flesh. That's my joy of the avatar. Why should I, I mean intangible, unseen, how can I connect? I mean I can connect but through that meditation. I want a tangible God in flesh and blood. I would rather dance with him holding his hands doing tata cha 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 rather than you know unseen into that. So you say well if you want God to be unseen, he will be unseen for you. But to me, I prefer God the seen. So he is seen to me, to each his own. Nowadays, this is a very nice word. huh? Don't try to explain anybody. You say, we agree to disagree <laughs> to each his own way. And it is true also. It's not like this is, no need to convince. You say, what can I do if for me they have come as a seen and my buddhi didn't, I was not so intelligent to do these debates and discussions that they are seen or unseen. But something within me knows or feels that they are divine. But somebody else may feel Christ or Krishna is divine. They have equal right to follow. But the logical argument is meaningless. That God has to be unseen. Or that Krishna and Rama are unseen. To an extent about Rama, people may say, though even that, now you know, Danush Koti pull, there are so many evidences. But Krishna is like, uh, so many down the line have confirmed the presence of Krishna uh, who has appeared to them in their, you know, inner vision as a reality. 
and reality the test of reality or god is not seen or unseen because it transcends after all what is seen seen is let me define it seen is the unseen coming within the limits of our senses correct logical okay is that unseen god all powerful or not all powerful if he is all powerful can the unseen come into the limits of the seen now you see it's a googly if you say no then you say then he is not all powerful he has limits now you are caught if he is all powerful the unseen can come within the limits of the senses what can prevent him is he going to act according to our mental conceptions or in his freedom this is only for you not for the friends huh that the unseen can limit this is the old argument by the way of priest of certain uh, i won't name certain cults and paths that they don't believe in avatarhood and the logic is that that he is you know um, well have <laughs> nirlep narayan kaha chandan lagau main i used to hear this bhajan as a child i said ye kya nirlep narayan kaha after that my father would go on after this bhajan ram ji and doing all this i said one of them must be true <laughs> and he would say in his typical style beta dono's theek hai both are true now i understand both are true it is true that he is the unseen because no eyes can behold him but it is equally true that the unseen can come within the limits of our senses and then we call him seen and tangible so the divine can come to take a human body and come as an avatar face the struggles and pangs and i would rather have a god who has faced life as i am facing then i can tell him that well i have a problem can you solve it he'll say yes i too had this problem i can give you the remedy never go to a doctor who has never fallen ill <laughs> because he'll only give you a medicine and send you away he will never have the empathy and compassion which heals you go with the pain i understand okay koi baat nahi hai theek ho jayega because he knows that this is what you want but the doctor was never following okay take this prescription go get an mri done this is easy and gone so the divine wears a human mask takes a human form so that he out of his own free will choice infinite omnipotence he reduces himself and in a miniature way don't we do it all the time in our life in us too there is a part which is unmanifest not known to anybody every slightly developed person has a corner not shared with anyone and please don't share everything with everybody this idea that i am share everything with everybody there should be a place a sacred space doesn't matter it may be mother shurbindo or something which is to you yet this space which is known only to you if you wish can you not express it to someone it's your choice so the divine similarly though unmanifest can if he chooses manifest himself in a body and become tangible and visible for the joy of relation with whom would you share this space which you share with nobody only to your intimate so because he loves to some whom he loves he reveals himself in name and form and this is the beauty of it wonder of wonders that is the avatar 
वानप्रस्थ हाँ ट्रेडिशनल बेस्ड ऑन द फोर पुरुषार्थाज एंड द फोर आश्रम स्टेजेस ऑफ लाइफ इन इट्स एसेंस वान प्रस्था इन इट्स एसेंस मेंट दैट नाउ गृहस्थ लाइफ ग्रह यू आर होल्डिंग प्रॉपर्टी दिस दैट ना वन प्रस्था मेंट दैट यू हैंड ओवर द कीज टू योर बहु ऑल द सास एंड द फादर टेल्स बॉय डू इट योर सेल्फ आई एम देयर एज द वाइज ओल्ड मैन इफ यू विश आई एम देयर now this vanaprastha means now you turn your mind away towards those things which are higher beautiful noble ordinarily this what that's how we mark the beginning of spiritual life and this is a traditional understanding and then finally after the mind has turned delved upon scriptures gone to different places met the sages and seers now it is ready for the ultimate plunge it was meant for the ordinary general social order and it had its meaning probably still has its meaning to an extent but having said that now somebody who is already continuing his life first two questions i must address first is this idea of dependence i think all uh, two three thoughts we must get rid of our head if we want to have a life which is meaningful one is this word senior old age uh, you know after 60 have every birthday become one year lesser so after 60 next birthday you say i am 59 but if you don't like ulti ginti then you say from 60 61 first year 62 i am 2 year old 63 i am 3 year old try this remedy this remedy was given by mother by the way ha huh? so this came to me spontaneously during one of my this thing here okay i am going to now start this way then somebody said mother told this exactly for norman dosset's wife so it's a wonderful thing second no dependence one should be fiercely independent why should i need budhape ka sahara push yourself doesn't matter and i'll tell you that when there is a need somebody will be there especially if you have lived a life which is meaningful purposeful lived for a greater purpose higher truth they will be always people divine arranges it and at the end of the day we are all alone see i'll tell you so many examples one sees uh, now in my own life when my father had once a one sided stroke so it so happened that in air force i asked for urgent leave and usually it is given it was not given because of some very urgent situation and a very difficult commanding officer and now i can't run away and say i'll take a court martial so what do i do in that situation my father also said beta don't worry lord rama will take care and i also said ma take care so after 48 hours it was like okay you can get leave after one week i said paralysis one week well after 12 hours he did recover completely now you see when nobody is there this idea that why should i depend on my son my daughter or somebody x y z i depend on the divine and on the if one is taken care of society 
society takes care. That is the idea of the commune. See, commune living where in the order at some point of time and commune livings will become the way of the future. So in community, you don't have to have a... You are giving to the commune and that commune takes care of you. So that's what will come in the future, Vedantic communism. So uh, we need not depend only on the family. We, we must live for something greater, higher. and That higher, greater takes care of us. This is a leap of faith. And I suppose uh, the least it does is to make us inwardly free. At least uh, that's how I feel it. Old age is a misnomer. Old age is when I believe, ah, now I have earned. Now I must sit back and enjoy. That is frightening. I am in a big position. That is frightening. But if we are always wanting to learn, to progress, life is beautiful. You are forever young and child. Yes, sir, you are saying something. Yes, sure. Uh, after after this question, then I'll take up her question. Yes, please. No, no, please. Because her question will be the last question. After baby, uh, yes. Yes, yes, beautiful. All, all births, yes. In the synthesis of yoga, we have the ascent of sacrifice. Yes, yes. Yes, beautiful. Please, please sit, I can hide. Share with the psychic being. And the role of the psychic being in converting the life into a sacrifice, which is a Vedic idea. What is the, the relationship between uh, the God Agni, Vedika, and Saiyan? Are they one and the same? Okay. Or are there differences? Okay. Very beautiful question, very deep and profound. But first, uh, since you mentioned the word sacrifice for some of us, so yagya, so yagya sacrifice was not to uh, give up something, but it was to sanctify it, to make it more and more refined. So what does Agni's function is? One of the functions it purifies. So sacrifice in the original sense was sanctifying and purifying, refining. The same energy of love when we sacrifice it to the divine and it, it goes to whatever objects, then this love becomes purified. Purified of the dross of egoism, desire, etc. So since you mentioned about the ascent of sacrifice, the psyche being the works of love, that also he mentions. So any work which is offered into the fire of aspiration, it undergoes this transformation. This is the first part. Second part is that is the psychic being synonymous. Now in the Vedas, the Agni is actually the divine energy. So it is the divine will which has its original home is supermind, uh, the, the home of truth. And it is also burning in the base of matter. That's how in Kundalini Yoga, one awakens it and Shailabala and all the stages. And its third home is in the heart of the creature. So in the Vedas, she is the divine, it is the representative, the Agni, God, holds the divine will in the original sense. As a God, he is the one who upholds the divine will in creation. 
And therefore, what does it do? It purifies, it pushes everything forward. So it comes from the root ag. Move, move the urge. So wherever agni burns, it pushes us to progress. Now its relation with the psychic being, psychic being is not the agni, but he is the priest who, uh, you know, hotaram, purohitam. So he is the purohit. So till the psychic being is awakened, the mind is the purohit. But the mind is the Purohit which does not know the mantra. If we take now the Vedic image. So mind is doing the sacrifice but it doesn't have the mantra. Mantra I mean that uh, you know what really should be done in the proper way. But mind is like they were um, you know Upadhyayas, those who were not exactly Purohit but lesser than them. They are uh, officiating as the priest till the main priest comes. So when, when this priest psychic being awakens then he performs the right way of sacrifice with the right mantra. This was the Vedic thing. So psychic being is the Purohit and Agni is the divine energy or the fire of aspiration and the psychic being puts into it all that it is Swaha, Swaha, Swaha and that's how it transmutes itself. Yeah. Okay, so uh, last is last. See, this is the problem, wonder of children. Huh? Where is the child? Where is the child? Come, come here, come here, come in front. So, <laughs> you know, the children take it to another level altogether. Okay. I am reading Savitri. Sit, 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 sit here. You can sit there. There, there is a nice chair for you. Vacated. I am reading Savitri. But I cannot understand anything. Even if I put all my focus on it. First of all, reading Savitri. Huh? Then she is trying to understand. And then she is concentrated. Okay? Can you please tell me how to understand Savitri? To start with, read Savitri. Okay? Savitri understands you. She is a, by that I mean she is a living goddess. Okay? She is the divine mother in this word body. Now when you go to divine mother, what will you do? Will you say that mother I want to understand you by concentrating on you? Or you will do something else? What will you do? You are face to face with the divine mother, living. What will you do? What will you do? Mother is there. What will you tell her, want to do spontaneously? Divine Mother? Okay. So you should tell the Divine Mother that I want to understand you. Now the Divine Mother will take you if you want that. Though another choice you can make is that Mother, I am yours. Take me along. But you can make that choice. So Divine Mother will take you from the finger and from wherever you are in kindergarten, primary school, secondary school and take you right up to the highest. Okay? So, start by reading little by little and aspire for understanding. By concentrating with the mind, supposing you say, Mother, I want to understand you and then you start saying, I think you are this, I think you are that. Is that better? After saying, Mother, I want to understand you, you'll be quiet and let Mother say, Yes. So read, be quiet 
and pray to mother mother i don't understand savitri i want to understand and then slowly slowly she will bring some understanding into you on whatever and the extent you need to understand okay and slowly because you we don't know where you are you may look like a teeny weeny child but you may be in graduation level so wherever you are she will pick you up from there because she knows everything she has brought you to savitri by the way so she will make you understand and grow but still you must read why because it is your contact with the divine mother whether we understand her or we don't understand her to come in contact with her is a beautiful thing isn't it ha ah. so read savitri pray for understanding but even if you don't understand still you read and we cannot understand by trying with the mind now you leave it to her she will create the understanding how she will do it that leave it to her suddenly a thought may flash ah this means this she may even create the brain cells in such a way that we can understand leave it to her to make you understand but read savitri okay every day okay